Welcome to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And we continue our journey through Genesis and Genesis 34 today. Now, heads up, um, this particular story does get into the topic of rape. But depending on your own story, you know, you may need to take the discretion to skip this episode uh, or continue forward with it. Um, we're going to get into it right now. So you guys remember Jacob has a bunch of wives. Not entirely on purpose, but it ended up that way. Leah is the one who's kind of given birth to most of the kids. But Rachel, who's given birth to like one so far, that's basically Jacob's favorites. Like, not supposed to play favorites, but we've been through this in many episodes. Jacob played favorites like crazy. I think it's possible in today's story we'll see how little concern he actually takes with some of his kids who who aren't um, a part of, of Rachel's line. So uh, with that being said... Sometimes when you have that many kids, though, it's hard to keep track of <laughs> Do you them have that times. many kids? No, but my aunt and uncle have 12, oh. and so it's, it's very difficult for them to keep track of everyone. It almost feels like some of the kids start raising the younger kids because of... Two people to twelve, like the division becomes very difficult. So, yeah, so. but anytime favorites is played, it's always pretty obvious to everyone. <laughs> That's that also true. There are favorites, and even in, this in a classroom setting where there's like twenty-four kids and one teacher, you'll know who the teacher's favorite is. I was in one class because I wrote songs for my homework, funny songs, and played cartoons, funny cartoons. I don't think I was ever the favorite. Somehow that got me really good grades. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, in this particular story, though, we're going to see, like, even from, like, playing favorites and whatnot, like, he's really failing as a father here uh, to do anything that seems sensical. So Dinah, who was uh, the only girl in the genealogy we met recently, Olivia, drew attention to that right away. Leah had a daughter named Dinah. We're like, hey, a daughter. They're not always mentioned in these genealogies. Um, in this particular case, um, we start to see that was prefacing, like, she's going to come up later, so we want to mention her now. And her story is not a pleasant one. Dinah, daughter of Leah, um, went out to see the women of the land and went, because they're living in Canaan now. So she's going out to, to meet people of other descents across the, the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. In other words, he raped her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, which is such a strange reaction to me, you know. Uh, there's actually another story in the Bible where David's son rapes someone and then like immediately is repulsed by her. In this case, it's the complete opposite. He rapes someone and is like, I want to marry her. And it's, who would want to marry someone who just raped them? You know, like right. these, are, these are the things of nightmares for people's lives. So I don't understand this dude's logic here, um, but he goes ahead and, and tries to talk his dad into it. It said he loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her so Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this girl for my wife. Uh, okay. We could never imagine that today. 
right? That just seems like nonsense. I could never imagine it for any culture, like marrying your rapist. Um, but nonetheless, that seems to be what Canaan's thinking right here. Sorry, this is what the people of Canaan are seeming to think here. Shechem is, is thinking. Uh, and then we have Hamor shows up and tries to make a deal. Because this is what you often did with... with Arranged oh. marriages. Yes, is there was a deal uh, being made. In this particular case, he said, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. Take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us, and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes. Whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for a great bride price and gift as you will, for I will give whatever you say to me. Only give to me the young woman to be my wife. A bride price here is actually um, what that would mean, if I understand right, is essentially uh, Dinah pulled her weight and labor among the family. So, like, if she was to leave her family, the family would now have one less worker taking care of the flocks and the fields and all that. So part of the bride price is basically, like, since your family is your workers, if you're going to take so one like of my... like a dowry? Work, well, a dowry in, in some sense, but a bride price is kind of like a... If you're going to take my labor force away from me, you need to pay to cover my labor force type thing. So... That's kind of what a bride price was. Again, this is ancient culture. We don't think like this. Um, but Sky is very indignant to, to try to, to marry her. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully. Now, does that sound like <laughs> Jacob? Does that sound like Laban? Like, remember, these kids have only grown up with deceivers as family. <laughs> and now we see they too, like father, like son, are... are are carrying this tradition on. Uh, but they dealt with his father, Hamor, deceitfully because he had defiled their sister, Dinah. They said to him, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. So I'm just going to kind of sum up where it goes from here. You guys, if you really want to marry into our family, your entire town, all of you who are connected, need to go cut the ends of your penises off essentially circumcision we did a whole episode on it yes. maybe you forgot what it's about right? I know I remember I'm just I mean go on would you like to talk more about circumcision than we already have no I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this another way but I don't know if it's going to cross the line or not so I'm probably is then yeah yeah you probably are okay uh, surprisingly well, okay so then we'll give our daughters to you if you do this right uh, and we will dwell with you and become one people but if you will not listen to us and be circumcised then we will take our daughter and we will be gone their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem which Hamor by the way means ass if you were to translate it like donkey uh, uh -huh. But if you were to look at all of my translations over here, I've got donkey, I have an ass, I have he ass, which I really want to know what that means. Whatever the case may be. <laughs> also a heap? What? I don't know. Yeah, there's also other translations for the word. Uh, but Hamor is his name. 
but somehow related to donkey. We may actually see a reason as to why that's related before this story is over. There might be double meaning behind his name. Uh, but <clears throat> this conversation is just weird. We have a, a young woman who's been raped. We have this attempt to like now try to make a, a payment arrangement to be able to continue this. We now have Dinah's, like, especially her, like, blood brothers, not like half-brothers, but like her blood brothers, like, they are ticked. And so they're, they're pulling a Jacob, they're pulling a Laban, and now they're, they're trying to trick all these people. Go ahead and get circumcised, and, and we'll go from there. And then it, <clears throat> one thing leads to, one atrocity leads to another atrocity. Uh, they did not delay to circumcise themselves, and, uh, and then Hamar and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. And behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will men agree to dwell with us to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went to the gate of the city listened to Hamar and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. If it was like a hundred people that had to get circumcised in order for this thing to happen, like... And they just agreed because some other guy wanted to marry some woman. Well, part of the reason they agreed is because they get stuff out of this, right? It's like, if Jacob comes here, he's rich. If we can marry with his family, we get rich. And then we all just get to experience a richness. And it's all, this is all gross, because this is all, again, based on a rape is where this whole story started, right? But it's, my comment, I still want to try to say it. Anyway, like... Essentially it, because... Well, because here's the thing. A lot of a times... A horrible sexual act happened, and now the recompense is... Is removing part of that sexual organ. Yes, this is where I figured you were going. Yes. There could be that there. Again, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but part of the reason that Abraham might have had to get circumcised as a covenant sign with God is because it was attached to the fact that he sexually abused his servant to try to find a, a way to have a son through another means other than Sarah. So maybe like now he's wearing the mark where it hurts, essentially. They could be thinking in that route, uh, but they're also blinded in rage. So right, but it's just like normally when you're in rage, like that's like normally when people hear of something happening to somebody, mm. they're like, "Where is he? I'm gonna cut it off," kind of a thing. So like, in a sense, they kind of did that biblically. Sure, what they did was have them all cut off. Their genitals, parts of it, just part. <laughs> and then they went around and killed all the men. So it escalated very oh. quickly. They then, because uh, they're all injured at that point. After three days, everyone's been circumcised. The Bible says they were all very sore. And then they just come in while they're defenseless and they just kill everyone. Which. Like I said, one atrocity leads to another atrocity. I mean, that 
I can't necessarily say it escalated quickly, but whoa. It escalated. It escalated quickly, yeah. I mean, Well, like, the first act is a high escalation anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is, this is what's hard for some people. The Bible doesn't have this... Uh, the Bible tells stories as they happen, and it doesn't always tell you the morality of it. Sometimes people read horror stories in the Bible, and they read morality that's not there, you know? Some people will read this and be like, Ooh, they got what they deserved. God had them just go kill everyone. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere in here. In fact, 50 chapters of Genesis, this is one of four chapters in all of Genesis that does not use the name of God anywhere. As though, in the rape incident, God is just missing. Actually, there's a, there's a whole book I read. It was based on someone's master thesis um, where they look at all the rape narratives in the Bible and God is mysteriously absent in all of them. It's just like God has nothing to do with it. This is so chaotic. This is so satanic, so removed from God that it's like he can't even be found in these stories. Like his name doesn't even show up, you know. So stories are shared, but... And, and I think that's important because there's a lot of people out there who have been raped and have come to a theological conclusion somewhere in their life that because they've healed from that and then helped other people heal from it, they get to this point of saying, well, God, let me be raped so that I could help other people. And that's, that's, not, that's not biblical truth. God did not make that happen to you. God did not want that to happen to you. God is mysteriously absent when it does happen in the stories in the Bible. Uh, what you are experiencing in those cases is the fact that, as the Bible says, God can take all things that happen to us and turn it together for our good. So he can find healing even in the worst stories that we have. Jesus on the cross is a perfect example. Healing in the fact that Jesus was killed, right? Uh, and he can bring about redemptive stories. So just because you experience a redemptive story does not mean that God caused the bad stuff to happen to you. Everything does not happen for a reason, is what I'm saying. Uh, what were you going to say? Uh, I just read further, and I am uh, what part surprised. Yeah. Well, Simeon and Levi go and kill everyone, and then Dinah's other brothers go and, and rob everyone, basically. And they get rich off this. They take their wealth, the little ones, and their wives... All that was in their houses, they captured and plundered. Yeah, so they... So for the act, they went and killed all of the men in the city. Mm -hmm. And then they stole their wives and children. No. Well, at this point, all the men in the city are dead. Mm -hmm. So the the women and children, they can't stay there on their own. So I think there's a good chance that they're taking the women and children to become their slaves because they would be leaving them to die otherwise. And that's something I do want to piggyback on here because uh, in an ancient culture, um, if you didn't have a husband, you were like, if you didn't have that in your life, you are more or less like an outcast and had to try to get by and survive. Um, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's how ancient culture worked, right? So here's an interesting story. There, there's a, in, in the law, there is a passage that makes everybody turn their head. Because laws are supposed to be about justice, right? And we just read this story and we're like, marrying your rapist, what a weird thing. So I do want to look at the law that at one point 
does propose marrying a rapist. It says this, If a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her, so seizing, this is violence, this is rape, and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father, give to the father of the young woman 50 shekels of silver, and sh she shall be his wife because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all of his days. Doesn't that sound like the most brutal law ever written? Just like, marry your rapist, you can never leave. That sounds messed up. How is that just? Here's the justice in this. It, it, it's a different kind of justice, but for an ancient society, it's justice. Essentially, you... Uh, rape this woman you now are required to marry her and you can never divorce her for any reason whatsoever you have to take care of her you have to do everything that she needs you cannot create an outcast out of her you can do nothing and by the way she doesn't have to do anything for you she doesn't have to have sex with you she doesn't have to do anything she can be her own person like it's essentially like it's you messed up now you owe her security for the rest of her life. Do you see like a weird kind of twist of justice for an ancient culture in, the, in that case? Like I know it still feels messed up to us, but. Well, it's kind of like, I feel like a good equivalent for this nowadays would be in a weird way, child support. Hmm. So this is basically your ancient child support, except it's not for a child, it's for the woman you've wronged. Yeah. So it's alimony. That one, yes. Yeah. That's the thing behind alimony is like, the reason for it is because your your wife is now used to a certain standard of living. Mm. So you have to still provide some of that, you know, current uh, standard of living to her in alimony. That's what the alimony is for, is to help her with that same um, style of living. Well, I would propose to you, there are a lot of laws in the Old Testament that are like this, where we read it in today's culture, like, oh my gosh, like, th that's just no sense of justice whatsoever. But they are trying to look for their own kind of ancient justice in the midst of this. I mean, I feel like it was an ancient way of trying to preserve honor. I mean, now that sounds weird in this context, but like, you know, it's kind of that whole idea of there's something more that happens during sex like something more happens and so now you two are connected always and so that was their way of trying to make a law of saying you are connected always uh maybe but also i think if we're honest with the old testament especially they are rather liberal with their application of sex to the point that like it's hard to tell sometimes if they have such a mysterious... I mean, I think Jesus shows that sense. But I don't think Jesus is, like, keeping things like rape in mind when he's talking about that. Right. You know, like, that was forced upon you, be removed from it. Uh, but whereas, I mean, yeah. being forced upon you also, it's like, that also happened in arranged marriages too, though. Like, you didn't always get to choose who your partner was in an arranged marriage either. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are some of that undertones of, you know, you didn't necessarily get to choose this, but now you're married to them. 
So there is... Yeah, they wouldn't put that in the same realm in their culture as rape, though. Right. But, I don't know, just in, in, in my current understanding, it feels like rape is terribly bad, but in the same way, you know, arranged marriages could also be pretty bad as well. Yeah. I mean, even some not arranged marriages are pretty bad, you know, like... There are people who are in not arranged marriages where rape is happening, you know, where husbands are raping their wives, essentially, and calling that just marital sex, which it's not. So sex can always get messed up in any form of uh, it takes. And I think uh, people have abused the Bible over and over again to try to get that. You know, take Paul's words where essentially he's saying, like, Let's all be sensitive to each other's needs so that we all create like this flowing marriage where we are serving one another. Men have always just taken that little portion that he says where women have to serve their husbands. And they just turn that into like a a passage they use to rape. They can abuse. Yeah. And to rape their own spouses, which is ridiculous. That's not at all what Paul was saying. Uh, And he would be appalled by anyone who took his words and applied it that way. Now, there was some kind of ancient custom where uh, the killing of a donkey would be the end of a covenant. (laughs) So there is this question if Hamor's name is basically ass because he's the donkey that's killed. And we had this covenantal mark going on, this deal between them where they just went back on the whole thing right away. They also rescue, well, they they pull uh, Dinah out of Shechem's house when they're doing this. So essentially, like, like she was raped and then taken into the family, like, from the get-go, you know, it seems. So it's a horrid story that leads to another horrid story. Like, there's no goodness anywhere in this. It's all bad. It's all bad. This is not the way that... uh, uh, it's not the way it should have started. It's not the way it should have ended. Jacob was silent, uh, which I think made his sons even more angry, right? Like, man, you already don't seem to care about this side of the family. This just happened to your daughter. You're just going to let our sister go through this? And that's how it ends, where they go up to Jacob, and Jacob's fear is that we're going to have to get out of here, which is still a gross fear. Dude, your daughter was raped, and he's, you brought trouble on me, making... We stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Uh, but then the brother's like, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? So, like, they're ticked at dad. To the point that one of these sons is actually going to try to rape one of his concubines. Or sleep, at least, with one of his concubines. Hard to imagine that have been uh, agreed upon. Um but that's essentially an attempt to like, hey, dad, I slept with your wife. Now I'm moving up the social ladder type thing. Uh, it's one of one of the servants. I think it's Reuben who goes to uh, do that. I could be wrong, though. Uh, actually, in David's story, where David's son rapes someone, after that, we then have a, David's silent about it. And then one of David's sons sleeps with one of David's wives. So, like... <laughs> That story is almost like a, a weird mirror, mirror image of this story, but it goes in different routes. And it seems like 
dad's silence on both ends, which let's be honest is another thing that still happens today in its own grotesque kind of ways as well, causes the children to like try to rise up and usurp dad essentially. So anyways, um, much later, we are going to see Jacob uh, condemn the, the way that they acted. We don't see a lot of condemnation in this passage, which is why some people would run with it and be like, yeah, get them, show, show them something. Uh, but if we were to go to when Jacob is dying, uh, Jacob says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. Oh, my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger they killed men, and their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So when Jacob is later dying, he prophesies over all of his different children. When he prophesies over Simeon and Levi, who were the brothers who led this charge to, to murder everyone. I'm almost not sure it was anybody but those two. The other, yeah, the other ones went and plundered everything after. But Simeon and Levi went, and they were the ones who killed everyone. Okay. So when Jacob is dying on his deathbed, this is what he prophesies over Simeon and Levi. Like, what the heck, guys? <laughs> you know, like, your, your violence. So everybody, everybody in this story is just, it's, man, the people God has to work with, <laughs> you know? And we've seen that all the way through Genesis so far, which if God can work through these people... I guess he can work through anyone. He can work through us, right? Because we all have our flaws. But these are some deep flaws. In this story, we've got rape. In this story, we've got a dad seeming to like not care or make a deal out of it. We've got people trying to get rich off of it. We've got uh, people murdering people. We've got people injuring, mutilating, and then injuring people. We've got people plundering people, uh, getting rid of the security of children and their moms and then turning them into slaves or wives and all these things like this whole story is just an atrocity and part of the interesting thing about the bible is it leaves those stories in and it doesn't let us hide our crap other ancient cultures when they were writing their stories like if you lost a war not when you wrote it down in the history book. <laughs> you just wrote down, we won. You know, it was a massive victory. <laughs> Whereas the Bible's like, they lost. They did this horrible thing. They did this horrible thing. And part of what the Bible's doing is drawing attention to just how sinful and messed up we are so that it can show us like we are hopeless without Jesus. Uh, this, is, this is Paul's whole thing in Romans is that God let sin get uh, very sinful indeed, is I think kind of how Paul says it. Uh, let sin collect upon itself, and then Jesus deals it a death blow. And if we turn to Jesus, then we have the capacity within ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome even the mildest of sins, let alone rape and murder and all these other crazy things that happen in stories like this. So, with that being said, um, thanks for joining us for another episode. We're continuing through Genesis. We're just about to move into the Joseph story, turning a corner on that soon. Um, but in the meantime, you can join the conversation. Maybe not about this one. Yeah, maybe this episode. 
not much conversation to join. It's just atrocity. So we'll see you on Discord or wherever. And we like and subscribe. We'll catch you. Maybe not on this one. I, uh, maybe dislike and subscribe. Well, don't dislike. Our I don't, what do you want from them? I'm just gonna, what do you want from them? I'm just go play the credits. <laughs>